It's time now for the complete story, a public news and information feature of Bot Radio Network to keep you informed about the most important issues of our day. Now, here's the BRN father and son team, Dick and Rich Bot, with today's complete story. You know, just as I was hearing that theme music, the thing came into my mind, here we go again. Remember that old song? Uh-huh. I forget who. But Rich, first of all, before we start the program, you tell our listeners what you were doing this week in Memphis, Tennessee. Last week, just just this past week, a big pastor appreciation luncheon that we hosted at Christ Church there in Memphis. Pastor Lawler was gracious enough to host the uh, the gathering together in his church yeah. and uh, WCRV AM 640 uh, put that all together. Uh, Todd wait, Payne wait, no, and Byron no, Tyler, a no, whole staff down there did a terrific job. Now, wait a minute. Uh, AM 640 in Memphis, Tennessee is 50,000 watts non-directional, and it covers forever down there, doesn't it? reaches into eight states uh, with the power of God's Word. So anyway, you had a good time. The pastors, how many pastors? About 200, 250, something like that. And Alan Jackson was our speaker from uh, Alan Jackson Ministries. You yeah. hear him every day on Bot Radio oh, Network. Oh, I bet that was wonderful. And so many wonderful pastors there, including a Pastor Vincent Matthews was at my table. He was the one that we featured his message on Complete Story just a few weeks ago. Oh, is that right? Now, Listen, while you were gone, I celebrated my 90th birthday. This past week, that's right. This is the first time we've been in the studio since your birthday, and always before you were going to be 90, and now you are 90. Somebody told me a few years ago, you know, Dick, it's it's not hard to get into your 80s, but it's very hard to get out of them. <laughs> I never forgot that. And you got out of them. Congratulations, Dad, and uh, happy birthday to you. What's the word for it? Is it nonagenarian? Oh, I don't know that. It's not octogenarian. I, that, I think nonagenarian is the next one. I know 90 is sure not your age anymore, but I still want to let our listeners know what I believe and what I think, and that goes all the way back to the founding about Radio Network 61 years ago. In 1962. All right, now let's get on with the program. Folks, we're in a mess, aren't we? Yes. We are in a mess. Um, Here, look at what's happening in Israel. Look at what's happening with the rise of anti-Semitism in America, especially in our colleges and everywhere. And you name it. And America is in trouble. Let's open this program by Wintley Phipps, um, one of my favorite people, and see what he sings about. Please grant us peace today and strengthen all who lack the faith to call on thee each day. Please keep us safe and free, watch over all who understand the need for liberty. Heal our land, heal our land, and guide us with thy hand. Keep us ever on the path of liberty. Heal our land and help us understand 
that we must put our trust in Thee, if we would be free. Oh, oh man, now listen, folks. Um, <clears throat> what we lack is what we had years ago. <clears throat> I know it wasn't easy, and there were a lot of problems. But years ago, we had leadership that seemingly uh, was different than what we've had recently. <clears throat> now, I have a little pamphlet here that I have printed years ago, and I'm going to read it, even though my voice is so bad, because I want you to catch how I feel it. President Harry Truman, uh, and you want to remember him? And uh, he was vice president when Winston, uh, Roosevelt uh, was a president, and then Roosevelt died. Uh, my word, uh, when the war was kind of wrapping up there, um, and Japan was still going at it against us. So uh, Harry Truman coming up into the presidency unexpectedly like that, my word, was he ever, was he ever overcome with responsibility? Now I am going to, I'm going to read what he said, and I quote, the basis of our Bill of Rights comes from the teachings we get from Exodus and St. Matthew, from Isaiah and St. Paul. I don't think we emphasize that enough these days. He went on to say, if we don't have a proper fundamental moral background, we will finally end up with a government which does not believe in rights for anyone except the state. That was President Harry Truman. Well, let's see here. Now, here's what the United States Supreme Court uh, said in 1885. The case was Murphy versus Ramsey and others. And I quote, Certainly no legislation can be supposed more wholesome and necessary in the founding of a free, self-governing uh, commonwealth than that which seeks to establish the basis of the idea of the family as consisting, now listen folks, as consisting in and springing from the union for life of one man and one woman in the holy state of matrimony. The family is the sure foundation of all that is stable and noble in our civilization. Now that's the Supreme Court, uh, 1885. Isn't that amazing? You know, children are not being taught that. Children are not being taught that. They go to school to learn, to learn our history, to learn our values, and to learn something. They're not being taught that. Now one other one, uh, William Penn. William Penn said, and I quote, governments like clocks go from the motion men give them. Wherefore, governments rather depend upon men than men upon governments. Let men be good and the government cannot be bad. But if men be bad, the government will never be good. I know some say, let us have good laws, and no matter for the men that execute them, but let them consider that though good laws do well, 
good men do better, for good laws may lack good men, but good men will never lack good laws, nor allow bad ones. Now, I tell you what, this has got my attention for sure for this broadcast on the complete story because our government is in a mess. How many weeks, you see, have we gone without a speaker of the House of Representatives? And there's been anger and there been a lot of uh, bickering and back and forth and how could this happen? Look what's happening in Israel and all over the world and we don't even have a speaker. How could that be taking place? Then we have a man in the White House. Let's face it, folks, he's an old codger. I mean, when he gets up in the morning, he must feel his age, uh, certainly. <laughs> and, and so we are in a mess. And yet, now listen, Tony Perkins, the Family Research Council, you hear him on Bot Radio Network uh, every day. And uh, Tony Perkins said, uh, heads up, he said, a man from Louisiana, Representative Mike Johnson, is a good man. Tony Perkins said he attended his Bible studies, Tony Perkins' Bible studies, and he's a good man. And I support him. Well, I thought... Well, I never heard of Mike Johnson. Uh, but you know what, folks? The Lord did. You know what, folks? The Lord knew it. Now, I want you to know that Mike Johnson is going to face tremendous opposition because he's a good man, he's a fair-minded man, and he is a good leader. Uh, I want you to hear his speech. I want you to hear what he says after taking the position, being sworn in as Speaker of the House of Representatives of the United States of America. I want you to hear his speech because it includes what he believes, it includes his childhood, it includes his family, where he came from, and it's all very, very interesting. Here it is. I want to say to the American people, on behalf of all of us here, we hear you. We know the challenges you're facing. We, we know that, uh, that there's a lot going on in our country, domestically and abroad, and we are ready to get to work again to solve those problems, and we will. Our mission here is to serve you well, to restore the people's faith in this house, in this great and essential institution. My, my dad, it was mentioned my dad was a firefighter. He was an assistant chief uh, in the fire department in my hometown of Shreveport, Louisiana, a little town in northwest Louisiana. On September 17, 1984, when I was 12 years old, he was critically uh, burned and permanently disabled in the line of duty. All I ever wanted to be when I grew up was the chief of the fire department in Shreveport. Um, but after the explosion on that fateful day, he nearly died, and it was a long road back, and it changed all of our life trajectories. I'm the oldest of four kids. And, and my dad, um, he lived with pain all the rest of his life for decades more. And I lost my dad to cancer three days before I got elected to Congress, three days. And he wanted to be there um, at my election night so badly. Um, I'm the first college graduate in my family. This was a big deal to him. And um, so several weeks after that, it was early 2017, 
2017. Uh, it was my freshman term, and, and um, it, it fell to me to be in the rostrum one night to serve here as Speaker Pro Tem. I thought that was a big deal until I figured out that's what you do for freshmen late at night. <laughs> and I, I want to, I think if my memory serves, Ms. Jackson Lee was, um, was winding down one of her long, eloquent speeches. <laughs> and not, not that I was not in, enraptured by her speech, but I, I looked, up, looked up at the top in, in uh, the chamber there and I saw the face of Moses staring down. And um, I just felt in that moment the weight of this place, right? The, the history that is revered here and the future that we are called to forge. And I really was just kind of almost overwhelmed with emotion. It occurred to me in that moment, it had been several weeks and I had not had an opportunity yet to grieve my dad's passing and, and um, I just had this sense that, that somehow he knew. And, and I had tears come to my eyes and I was standing here and I'm wiping them away and then it suddenly occurs to me, the late-night C-SPAN viewers are going to think something's very wrong with the new young congressman from Louisiana. It, it wasn't Sheila's speech. I'm sorry. <laughs> I, I, I just knew in that moment that my, my, my dad, my father, would be, would be proud of me, and I felt that he was. And, and I think all of our parents are proud of what we're called to do here. I think all the American people at one time had great pride in this institution. But right now, um, that's in jeopardy. And we have a challenge before us right now to rebuild and restore that trust. This is a, a beautiful country. It's the beauty of America that allows a, a firefighter's kid like me to come here and serve in this sacred chamber where great men and women have served before all of us and strive together to build and then preserve what Lincoln did refer to as the last best hope of man on earth. We stand at a very dangerous time. I'm stating the obvious. We all know that. The world is in turmoil. But a strong America is good for the entire world. We, we are the beacon of freedom, and we must preserve this grand experiment in self-governance. It still is. We're only 247 years into this grand experiment, and we don't know how long it will last. But we do know that the founders, to take, the founders told us to take good care of it. I want to tell all my colleagues here what I told the Republicans in that room last night. I don't believe there are any coincidences in a matter like this. I believe that Scripture, the Bible, is <clears throat> very clear that, that God is the one that raises up those in authority. He raised up each of you, all of us. And, and I believe that God has ordained and allowed each one of us to be brought here for this specific moment in this time. This is my belief. I believe that each one of us has a huge responsibility today to use the gifts that God has given us to serve the extraordinary people of this great country, and they deserve it and to ensure that our republic remains standing as the great beacon of light and hope and freedom in a world that desperately needs it. It was in 1962, in 1962 that, that our national motto, In God We Trust, was adorned above this rostrum. And if you look at the little uh, guide that they give uh, tourists and constituents who come and, and, and visit the house, if you turn in there to about page 14 in the middle of that guide, it tells you the history of this. And it says very simply, these words were placed here above us. This motto was placed here as a rebuke of the Cold War era philosophy of the Soviet Union. That philosophy was Marxism and communism, which begins with the premise that there is no God. This is a critical distinction that is also articulated in our nation's birth certificate. We know the language well. The famous second paragraph, 
that we used to have children memorize in school, and, and they don't do that so often anymore, but they should. G.K. Chesterton was the famous British philosopher and statesman, and he said one time, America is the only nation in the world that is founded upon a creed. And he said it's listed with almost theological lucidity in the Declaration of Independence. What is our creed? We hold these truths to be self-evident, that all men are created equal, not born equal, created equal. And they are endowed by the, the same inalienable rights, with the same inalienable rights, life, liberty, pursuit of happiness. That is, the, that is the creed that has animated our nation since its founding, that has made us the great nation that we are. And we're in a time of extraordinary crisis right now. And the world needs us to be strong. They need us to remember our creed and our admonition. Turmoil and violence have rocked the Middle East and Eastern Europe. We all know it. And tensions continue to build in the Indo-Pacific. The country demands strong leadership of this body. And we must not waver. Uh, our, our nation's greatest ally in the Middle East is under attack. The first bill that I'm going to bring to this floor in just a little while will be in support of our de dear friend Israel, and we're overdue in getting that done. We're going to show not only Israel, but the entire world, that the barbarism of Hamas that we have all seen play out on our television screens is wretched and wrong, and we are going to stand for the good in that conflict. We, we have a catastrophe at our southern border. The Senate and the White House can no longer ignore the problem. From Texas to New York, wave after wave of illegal migrants are stressing our communities to their breaking points. We, we know that our streets are being flooded with fentanyl, and all of our communities, children, and even adults are dying from it. The status quo is unacceptable. Inaction is unacceptable, and we must come together and address the broken border. We have to do it. The skyrocketing cost of living is unsustainable, and Americans should not have to worry about how they're going to feed their family every week because they can't afford their groceries anymore. Everybody in this room should think about this. Here's the stats. Prices have increased over 17% in the last two years. Credit card interest rates are at the highest level in nearly three decades, and mortgage rates are now at a peak we haven't seen since 2001. We have to bring relief to the American people by reining in federal spending and bringing down inflation. The, the greatest threat to our national security is our nation's debt. And while we've been sitting in this room, that's right, that debt has crossed almost $33.6 trillion. In the time that it's going to take me to, to deliver this speech, we'll go up another $20 million in debt. It's unsustainable. We have to get the country back on track. Now, we know this is not going to be an easy task, and tough decisions will have to be made. But the consequences, if we don't act now, are unbearable. We have a duty to the American people to explain this to them so they understand it well, and we are going to establish a bipartisan debt commission to begin working on this crisis immediately, immediately. We all know that we also live in a time of bitter partisanship. It was noted, and it's been on display here today. Right? When our people are losing their faith in government, when, when, when they're losing sight of the principles that made us the greatest nation in the history of the world, I think we've got to be mindful of that. We're going to fight. We're going to fight uh, vigorously over our core principles because they're at odds a lot of times now in this modern era. 
We have to sacrifice sometimes our preferences because that's what's necessary in a legislative body. But we will defend our core principles to the end. In his farewell address, thank you. In his farewell address, President uh, Reagan uh, explained the secret of his rapport with people. And, and I like to paraphrase his explanation all the time. He said, you know, they call me the great communicator, but I really wasn't that. He said, I was just communicating great things, and they're the same great things that they've guided our nation since its founding. What are those great things? I call them the seven core principles of American conservatism, but let me concede to you all, I think it's really quintessentially the core principles of our nation. I boil them down to individual freedom, limited government, the rule of law, peace through strength, fiscal responsibility, free markets, and human dignity. Those, those are the foundations that made us the extraordinary nation that we are. And you and I today are the stewards of those principles, the things that have made us the freest, most powerful, most successful nation in the history of the world, the things that have made us truly exceptional. In this time of great crisis, it is our duty to work together, as previous generations of great leaders have, to face these great challenges and solve these great problems. I will conclude with this. The job of the Speaker of the House is to serve the whole body, and I will. But I've made a commitment to my colleagues here that this Speaker's office is going to be known for decentralizing the power here. My office is going to be known for members being more involved and having more influence in our processes and all the major decisions that are made here for predictable processes and regular order. We owe that to the people. That's right. And I want to make this commitment to you, to my colleagues here and on the other side of the aisle as well. My office is going to be known for trust and transparency and accountability, for good stewardship of the people's treasure, for the honesty and integrity that is incumbent upon us all of us here in the people's house. Our system of government is not a perfect system. It's got a lot of challenges, but it is still the best one in the world, and we have an opportunity to preserve it. Last thing I'm going to say is a message to the rest of the world. They have been watching this drama play out for a few weeks. We've learned a lot of lessons, but you know what? Through adversity, it makes you stronger. And, yeah. And, and we want our allies around the world to know that this body of lawmakers is reporting again to our duty stations. Let the enemies of freedom around the world hear us loud and clear. The People's House is back in business. Thank you. Thank you. We will do our duty here. We will serve you well. We will govern well. And we'll make you proud in this institution again. We're going we're to fight every day to make sure that is true. I look forward to the days ahead. I genuinely believe in my heart that the best days of America are still ahead of us. God bless you, and God bless the United States of America. Thank you. Oh, oh my dear friends. That was Mike Johnson, the new Speaker of the House of Representatives of the United States of America through this turmoil that we've experienced the last few weeks and the uncertainty and the absolute mess that we have going on in the world. Now look who has risen. 
from my perspective, from nowhere. Tony Perkins of the Family Research Council said, first one I knew about him, he said he's a good man. He is a good man. You can trust him. Now listen, folks, listeners to Bot Radio Network, I'm so proud, and Rich is also, that we were able to broadcast this entire speech. Uh, and then you'll hear the critics. You'll hear the commentators. You'll hear the, uh, what do we call them, Rich, the fake news? or uh, Yeah. Oh, man, 11. They'll attack him. They'll do everything they can to discredit him. But you heard him. Uh, stay and get to know him. And really. And pray for him. Oh, absolutely pray for him. Now, listen, folks. Abraham Lincoln said these words. Are you listening? Abraham Lincoln said these words, and I quote, the philosophy of the schoolroom in one generation will be the philosophy of the government in the next. Now think about that. What is going on in the classroom where your children are attending to be educated, to be able to think, to be able to reason, to be able to reach out. Uh, it's a shame. And um, the people and the churches and the pastors need to rise up and say, we are the people and you work for us. Well, anything you want to add, Rich? Wow. I, I love that where uh, Mike Johnson said, we are the stewards of the founding principles of America. And, yeah. you know, Dad, I heard one of the one of the first things that he did after the Republican caucus nominated him yeah. was to ask for them to gather around and pray for him. Oh, and I've right? seen a picture where they're laying hands and praying oh, for really? him as the speaker designate. No, people will never know that if we don't tell them. That's All right. right, now here's a, a listener comments. Here's a lady. Thank you, Bot Radio. And that means you, Mr. Dick Bott, and your son, Rich. Thank you for your wonderful station and all the wonderful, wonderful Christ-based programs. God bless, and may you continue until our dear Lord comes. Thank you. Um, bless your heart. Now, here's a, here's a gentleman. I'd like to say God bless you, and thank you so much for what y'all do in the Word and the Gospel. And I just praise it. Just keep going. Okay. Mm -hmm. Well, Rich, we got to get out of here. Oh. Our time is up. Let me give the number. 1-800-345-2621. Okay, there it is. This is Dick Bott with my son Rich with this chapter of the Complete Story, and I'll see you later.